Hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no. It isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. Well, hello again. This is Buck Penny speaking. I am joined by Kathy Fuller-Sully and John Henderson. Uh, we bring you something kind of unique today. This is, I guess it's called Stars in the Eye, and it's the CBS Eye is the thing, and so these are all the CBS stars. And it's one of the few times you'll ever see, or maybe the only time, I can't think of another, where Lucy and Desi and the whole cast of I Love Lucy are featured with Jack Benny. And because uh, I'm sure one of these two wonderful folks can probably point out why that was the case, because they, they weren't allowed to be on each other's shows, I don't think, at the beginning anyway. Right. Or something. That's correct. Yeah, there we go. Look at that. See, I know what I'm talking about, sort of. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll go ahead and swing this over to Kathy to tell us a little bit about maybe what this. So, Kathy, was this was an hour, right? Episode show, I think. I, I believe so, because it yeah. does seem to go on forever. But um, <laughs> this 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 was a big moment for CBS. Um, it was the opening of Television City, the first uh, a facility dedicated to television production. And you can tell Paley is so very proud of this that he gets the mayor of Los Angeles and the governor of California involved to, um, you know, to uh, give the California welcome to what had been formerly the East Coast dominated television production. I was, uh, one thing, uh, it also was at the same time that the number of new television stations was allowed to increase. The freeze was over. And so there was so much to celebrate about television going nationwide that now you didn't have to have the kinescopes of an East Coast show of broadcast three weeks later that more and more people could see network shows at the same time. That's great. So that's, that's the big deal for CBS. I was really impressed at how um, Jack Benny is the glue that holds the whole thing together in a kind of grumpy way about, oh, it's Jack Benny's trying to hog the whole thing here. But uh, really, the um, sort of uh, a cultural power that he represented to CBS, their lead star, yep. um, to uh, just that kind of impressed me for 1952. Yeah, exactly. And at this point, was Lucy like the superstar show yet or was that I, I think slowly it had happening just begun. I yeah. think it, it just be, this may have been the first season of it yeah. 52 so uh, it started because I believe it started in the spring I want to say which is a strange time for it to start I, I thought I looked that up and, and it started in the spring of 51 which would wow. lead us right so 52 would be just a few mm -hmm. months you know into this they wouldn't do it over the summer of course so they I don't know if they just presented a few episodes and then it went to the next year, I'm not sure how that'll work. But anyway, I, I would assume if it was even a year later that the Lucy cast probably would have taken a much bigger role because they were a bigger draw than Jack. Yeah. But at the time, I think Jack was the get of everybody. And so having Jack be throughout this thing was, was what was done, which I'm delighted with. Uh, I, I loved the fact that they sort of kind of featured Jack in an episode with Lucy and Desi in that it would sort of be scene after scene that supposedly he was busting into and they'd have to redo this scene. You know, I, it, it was like he was messing up their scenes in their show 
which of course she wasn't, but uh, but it was fun to watch that way. John, what, what did you think about this or what stood out for you? Well, there are some hidden gems, like you say, <laughs> like with Jack Benny and the I Love Lucy cast. I think that's great. That's lots of fun. In general, I would say, you know, it was hard to get to there. It, it was hard to get to that point in watching, right? It starts with Amos and Andy, which is interesting because, you know, old-time radio fans will know Amos and Andy on the radio for years and years, and they were, you know, performed by Godson and Carell, a couple of white guys. And so for television, they got black actors, uh, but they're basically doing impressions of the characters that were already established. So it's a very... Okay. So let me let me interrupt you there for just a second, yeah. John. And just this is always so meta and so interesting to me. So we have uh, the original actors that were white that were playing characterizations of what they interpreted as black people, and they're doing that interpretation. So then, when it comes to television, they need to use true black actors. So they use black actors that are then doing impressions or imitations of these white actors doing impressions of black people. So it's like three steps removed from, from what they were trying to really get to. And then I'm sure these black actors were going, nobody would talk like this. What are you talking about? And, but they're like, well, okay, they want me to do it this way. So I'm doing it this way. They did a nice job. I mean, truly, if you close your eyes, you could think, oh, that maybe was the original actors doing it. They, they found people that were close enough to them that it was interesting. Um, and certainly, no, the other, the other piece you always got to give them is this is 19, what, 1950, 51, 52, 52. So this is 1952, and you have three black actors on the screen, not sharing the screen with anybody else, and it's just those three black actors to begin with. And then you have a, a, a part where the, the stewardess talks to them, and she's not telling them to give up their seats to somebody else or anything like that. She's acting like they belong where they there. So, I mean, that's that's a plus. So there's, it's a tricky thing. There's always pluses and minuses to Amos and Andy. There's so, it's such an interesting yeah, history. You have so anyway, go ahead, John. Many feelings when you listen to Amos and Andy, you know, because it's really extreme stereotypes. Yes. But then sometimes the material is pretty funny. This, I didn't think the material was that funny anyway. So, yeah. Then you get to the part with the, the vice presidents. And one of them is... Uh, what's the name of the actor who plays Mr. Conklin on Armis Brooks? Oh, uh, 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 Gordon. Uh, Gail Gordon, right. Gail Gordon. Gail yeah. Gordon. Thank you. I couldn't remember. Who's also name. later with Lucy on Forever and Ever oh. on her own shows. Yeah, which is great. It's fun to see him with hair and uh, to see him as a younger version and thing. That's great. Yeah, but it is odd because he plays that character on Armis Brooks, and then we have Eve Arden later, who's playing herself. And so I thought that was odd. And... I didn't really, also, I didn't think that whole vice president's thing worked, right. and neither did the audience. There were no laughs that whole time. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but I had found out recently that there was this sort of, like, joke about CBS having so many vice presidents, presidents and they did have lots of vice presidents. If you listen to the April 1947 uh, radio show with Fred Allen, he makes a joke about it. And it right. becomes a big deal. They cut him off. They turned down his volume because he was joking about it. And then that got such a big backlash that eventually CBS is like, all right, whatever. You can make fun of vice presidents now. 
So, yeah. well, and then the whole thing that they cut him off like that, the way they did, they played that up on all the other radio shows. So you'd, all the other shows would act like they were getting cut off and things. Yeah, all right. That's yeah. pretty funny. Too many all. vice presidents. Uh, I like Alan Young, you know, from uh, the horse show, uh, Mr. Ed, right? Mr. Ed. Right. Yeah. Uh, but this is long, this is 10, how many, more than 10 years before Mr. Ed. He was correct. their up and coming young comic, you know, so. Uh, yeah. I like his energy. I think he's fun, but the material's not great. He's got nothing to work with. Yeah. And that also was a flop. Cass Daly, I'm not too familiar with. I know she's on the Bob Hope show. But she's another performer who, like, I feel like never really found her thing. Mm -hmm. If she had gotten the right material, she's so talented, it would have worked perfectly. But she always just sort of drifted and never really, never really. She was it. she was often the featured guest star on various programs and things. I mean, she definitely had her niche, but like you say, they never developed her niche. Found a like a. a platform for her to have a weekly show that, that featured her or something yeah uh, as far as i know i think it's interesting that jack benny mentions his song that he wrote which we know from the radio show i thought so too uh, as a jack benny fan that's fun i i have i don't know much about uh, my friend irma i know it was a radio show or life with luigi and i uh meet millie i'd never even heard of right. uh I don't know. Maybe you have more insight on those shows. They didn't. Let's let's say this preview, CBS preview, didn't sell me on those shows. Right. Oops. Yes. And, and what's funny is it kind of sets up later previews. Whenever they have like a preview of the upcoming season, I always think you watch those things and they almost always fall flat. And I'm like, you would think you would take some of your best writers and best people and go, we're trying to prove this is, this is our, like our first meeting, our introduction to people. Let's put our best foot forward, but they tend to not. It tends to be like, Oh, who's available. Oh, we'll use that fourth writer on some other show and he can write sure. the thing. Yeah. And, and so the writing never holds up in these things. Yeah. No, it's more about, I guess, the excitement of just seeing the people on your little tiny TV screen. So uh, yeah, at this time, point. yeah, for sure. And the future shows, like when they did this in the 60s or the 70s, you would actually have clips from the show. So those clips could be funny because, of course, they're written by the writers for the show. You're picking a 10-second, 30-second clip that captures the flavor of the show you've got all these episodes to choose from and you just pick this one and there you go uh but usually the part in between the clips falls flat always and essentially this whole show is the part between the clips because there are no clips and so this whole thing doesn't hold up too well as a historical document i think it's really interesting to see all these different shows all the you kind of get an idea of what sort of a, a season 1952 mm -hmm. sort of had what they had going for it the fact that it also ties into the uh, talent raids that cbs did and the fact that that's why they have some of the talent that they have certainly that's why they have jack is they they grab jack for those who don't know what the talent raids are essentially cbs kind of knew going in uh that that okay we're going to be switching over to television here in the next few years and what what are we going to use for our television stars probably our radio stars and so they did it that way and then so they brought those guys over so that's what they did yeah. my favorite part though 
was uh, Art Linkletter. I've got a DVD of uh, Kids Say the Darndest Things, and it's so fun to see him interacting with the kids. I couldn't quite tell if this was scripted. I think it might have been, which, you know, usually they're not really scripted. They're heavily edited, but right. you can't heavily edit a live performance, so maybe they prompted the kids a little bit. But I still thought it was fun, and uh, yeah, so I like that. Now, the Bob Crosby bit, who was he with? Is that Giselle McKenzie? Yes. I thought they were they um they were on a show together. So that was her regular one of her regular gigs. Uh, uh and then occasionally being on Jack's show. So well, it was amazing like planning to do the visual effects of the the two sets coming together and meeting and then they they do several of those and they eventually get back to the uh, to the original one like considering they didn't have computer or and it was live like that was really really impressive yeah I, sometimes watching these live shows the things they pull off you're just like well that's pretty brilliant it's the whole thing is like a choreo even even if it's not even if there's no dance number or anything just the just the creating of it is like a choreographed dance throughout it. whether it's a drum dramatic show you're watching or whatever where you're following someone into another room and then they lead to another room and then they go back and there's a different set now. It's it, it, pretty creative the, the what they were able to do on so many of these live programs, including this one. Um, the, the other piece I, I liked is that a full-size car in this one that Jack was in and and, and, and Rochester and we had to hear the voice of Mel Blanc doing the car sounds and everything. That's kind of fun whenever they do that. Now, I'm not sure, but this, this might be the actual Maxwell that Laura Leibowitz has in her garage these days. Ah, so. Oh, yeah. Could well be. It's interesting to look at the two and compare them. Yeah. Huh. I didn't even think about that. Look at the things you learn on our, on our look, podcast. <laughs> I, I appreciated having um, Eve Arden in that scene in the Maxwell because um, Jack talked with her on a number of occasions about uh, taking on the role of Mary because they sounded alike, sort of, and their attitude, uh, um, yeah. you know, the, if there ever could have been a Mary replacement, I think it would have been Eve Arden. And so, yeah, I had I, never thought about that, but I, I think you're absolutely right that that of anybody, she would be the one that would work the best, probably. But I don't think she would be playing Mary. I think that she would just. Oh no, be but but. Arden. Right. Yeah. It'd be Eve. So, yeah. She could capture that Eve. flavor of Mary, I guess, is yeah. what we're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. A Lucille Ball to an extent, too, I suppose, but that would be something totally odd because well, the they, they did that on the show are pretty amazing. So right. Well, they even had on one of those uh later specials, uh Lucy read out a letter from from Mary's mama in in right in that form so yeah, yeah that was uh, it wasn't in a special that was in the uh uh the, the lucy show that jack appeared on yeah oh thank yeah. you but they but yeah it was in the same time frame it was uh 70 whatever i think it was his last appearance on her show which would it maybe it was 72 or 73 so yeah but the relationship between jack benny and lucy is always very complimentary as yes. opposed to like the, the Mary Jack thing where she's, you know, you know, ribbing him or whatever. Right. I'm just saying that she could have pulled that off. She, that, that, 
you know, take a little bit of the way she treated uh, Gail Gordon over to Jack and it would have worked just fine. But you're right, it, it never quite, they never played it that way. Um, but interesting. Okay. Well, I, I think we'll let him just enjoy this episode then, unless we have something sure. else. Sure. I just, I'd, I'd just like to say living in Austin, Texas, I was um, researching the history of when television finally came to Austin. And um, uh, it was the uh, Thanksgiving weekend of 1952. So unfortunately, about two weeks after this show, finally, Tele, uh, the first television station uh, opened in Austin. It was a CBS station and it was actually owned by um, Lady Bird Johnson. But I hope that there was a kinescope of this that they yes. could play uh, uh, opposite. Uh, mostly uh, they opened the station to play Longhorn college football games. Yeah. But it was so interesting to look in the paper. It's in the case of Austin, Texas, that TV represented CBS, and they were still promoting Jack Benny as the number one figure of, of uh, television wow. in November 1952. So That's great. Well, and then I was going to say uh, just one last thing. That, well, I'll tell you what. We'll let him go, and then I'll tell uh, what I was going to talk about to my gang here. So uh, enjoy, and we'll see you folks next time. is correct. We are now flying into Stradivarius. <laughs> I'm sure anxious to get to Los Angeles and see that CBS television city. You know, I understand they got some really great new things there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure must be interesting, all right. You know, I'm anxious to find out how all that television stuff works. Uh, what do you mean, how it works? Work by electronics. Electronics? What is that, Kingfish? Well, Andy, uh, now there's I can explain it to you. Electronics is something that if folks don't know how it works and it do, well, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, I read all about that, but I didn't get it till now. <laughs> we are now climbing to 15,000 feet. Fasten your belt, please. May I help you, Madam? Yes, uh, Pardon me, miss, uh, but I ain't wearing no belt. Would it be all right if I tighten my suspenders? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Pow! 15,000 feet. Yeah, now, boys, that beam ain't flying up here at 15,000 feet. I think this would be a good time to talk insurance to you. <laughs> you sell an insurance person, Kingfish? Oh, yeah, Andy. Complete coverage of airplane insurance. Issued by the George Stevens Multi-Million Dollar Insurance Company. Well, uh, what is this great coverage you got? Well, leave it now. Just see why we are flying up here at 15,000 feet. And that motor comes out. And we are headed for a crash. Well, what about it? Then my company will pay you $20 a week benefits long as you live. <laughs> they will, huh? Yeah, and another nice little feature about this here, Brother Andy. The time of the payments don't start from the time that you smack the ground. It starts from the time that the plane goes into a nosedive. <laughs> oh, I was earning money on the way down, huh? <laughs> Excuse me, mister, but who is you? I'm the pilot, sir. You the pilot? Walking around out here? Well, who's up there doing the driving? When I step out, the co-pilot takes over. Oh. And Andy, I guarantee you that this insurance policy will protect you from all... Uh, mister, uh, you wouldn't happen to be the co-pilot, would you? Well, that's right, sir. Say, Kingfish. Getting back to this insurance, can you write out a fast policy? <laughs> Look, Andy, I ain't writing nothing till I get more facts. Uh, Mr. Co-Pilot, uh, excuse me for protruding, and I don't want you to think I'm nosy or nothing, but who up there driving this thing? Why, the automatic pilot, sir. Oh, the automatic pilot. Now, look, Andy, I'm gonna write you this policy. But if that automatic pilot walk out of there, the whole deal is off. Oh, me. Hey, hey, look, fellas, there's Los Angeles down there. Yeah, and I think I can see CBS Television City from here. And boys, we're heading right for it. Look at that. <laughs> Now, let's try it from the top. Where's Cass Daly? Uh, Miss Daly just ran out. She's on her way to Mr. Ackerman's office. Man, she's mad enough to bite somebody. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, Hubble, with all these changes, we'll be lucky if we get this show on the air. You can say that again. Hubble, what am I going to do? Well, you're vice president in charge of production. I know, but you're vice president in charge of me. <laughs> Hello. It's New York. Oh, probably Paley again. Hello. Yes. Yes, Mr. Paley. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Mr. Paley. Uh, uh, Robinson? He's right here in the office with me. Yes. Uh, he's pacing the floor. He wants you to sit down. Yes, Mr. Paley. <laughs> yes? Yes, Mr. Paley? Yes? No! No? It was the operator. She wanted to know if I was cut off. Oh. <laughs> yes, Mr. Paley. You can depend on us. Goodbye, Mr. Paley. 
Well, Hubble, Mr. Paley has dumped the whole thing in our laps. We've got to take care of the Jack Benny situation or else. Well, Harry, it's all your fault. You were the one who asked Benny to make the appearance. That's right. Put it on me. How did I know he was going to take over the whole show? And those acts he's tried to put in. Imagine dressing Don Wilson as a seal and having him balance a ball on his nose as Mary tosses him a fish. Well, you saw how he was messing things up. I've got an idea. Why don't you talk to him? I talked to him for three hours. You can't insult the man. Why not? I tried. Now, what we've got to do... What's Cass Daly doing up here? something naughty? What do you want? Well, I've been made the new electronic supervisor. I'm here to check your set and see that the education program comes in very clearly. What have you got there? Murine. Nobody else but the producer, the creator, the director, the writer, the star of the show himself. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Orson Welles of the Beaver Patrol again. <laughs> Hubble, we've got to do something about this. This is getting to be ridiculous. The thing is piling up. I know, I know. Hello. Uh, Ed, look, I can't do anything about oh, the sets. We've got problems up here, believe Hello. me. If you, if you, no, no, that's Ed, you'll have problem. to handle it by yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. Just a moment. Lud, look. Okay, we'll get the other. Lud, oh, you'll get the music and, and work it out yourself. Yes. We got uh, we'll get the other man Ed, to do it, though, but there are Ed, I can't handle it. Believe me. Hello. You, have you just have to take care of that yourself. I'm sorry. Yes? Well, you sound like you're trying to run the whole show yourself. That must be Benny. Tell him we're tired of his interference. We're tired of your interference. Who says so? Who says so? Mr. Ackerman and Mr. Robinson say so. Is Benny mad? Benny? That was Mr. Paley. <laughs> Out! <laughs> Hello, 
No one to blame for this mess but ourselves. Here we have Television City costing millions and millions of dollars, and the entire opening can be ruined by one man. Yeah. We should have thought of that before we let him put up the money. I still don't understand why we didn't go to the Bank of America for the seven million. Well, our board of directors was having a meeting discussing it, and Jack Benny walked in, and he happened to have the cash on him. <laughs> Wherever did he get all those two-dollar bills? Hubble, Jack von Valkenburg is arriving from the East. Maybe he'll have an idea. Well, what will that make us look like, sending over the president of CBS television? You... Pardon me, I came to get a bars and take down to the show. Well, what are you doing now, Alan? Working for the prop department? Oh, yes, just trying to help out. I even borrowed this uh, overall from a friend of mine who is a real stagehand in TV. Alan, for any assistance you can give us with this great dedication of Television City, CBS will be eternally grateful. All got to help out. Nothing at all. First they send us their old comedians, now their old uniforms. 
Yes, Mary. Mary, Mary, this is going to be the most wonderful show that you've ever seen. And you want to know something? I did the whole thing myself. Directed it, produced it, I'm starring in it. And Mary, I'm, oh, Mary, I must tell you what I'm going to do at the finish. Get this. I'm coming out at the very finish of the show with my violin, you see, and in a blue, in a blue spotlight, so it doesn't clash with my eyes, I'm going, to, I'm going to play that song that I wrote. You know that beautiful song I wrote? When you say, I beg your pardon, then I'll come back to you. Wait. Huh? All right, Mary, I'll wait. What's she doing, boys? She's taking an Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> Can't understand it. She's the third one today. When you ask me to for... Huh? Mary, you'll have to talk louder. I, I can't hear you with that fizzing. But I hear fizzing. What, operator? That you hissing? <laughs> well, get off the line. Mary, I'll call you later. Well, boys, your coat's ready. Ah, thanks, Rochester. You know, I read in the paper that this new CBS television studio is going to cost $7 million. That's right. That's a lot of money. Yes, sir. Imagine, Rochester, $7 million at 9%. <laughs> Gosh, they gave me Arthur Godfrey as security. Say, <laughs> mm. Rochester, what's this? Ryan, what's this? What's this here? Um, this dirt. Look at all this dirt on my sleeve. Well, boss, people aren't as careful with it as you are. You ought to stop letting it out. <laughs> well, who did I rent it to last? Your butcher, he wore it to the meat packers convention. <laughs> when you say I beg your pardon, then I... Rochester, what's this? Grease. Grease? Yeah, when he brought it back, there was a pork chop in the buttonhole. Then <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back to you. When you ask me to forgive you, I'll return. Right, there's the door, answer. Come in! Look at that, I can do myself. <laughs> Come in. Come in. Well, Desi. Desi, I am. Desi, where's Lucy? Never mind that. Set up the screen, will you, Jess? Inmediatamente. Oh, I see. You're going to do that bit on our dedication show. I finally talked you into it, didn't I? Meet my lawyer, Jose Gisler. The <laughs> <laughs> lawyer? Malo que lo conozca en estas circunstancias, señor. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Jack, I am suing you for lousing up the filming of our show. Your show? I Love Lucy? Well, how could I ruin it? I merely came over there. To, to ask you to be on this dedication show. Yes, I know, I know. And, and we told you that we would think it over. Mm -hmm. But you couldn't wait for an answer. Now, would you come over here and watch what you did? What I did to this Yeah, show? just come over here, would you? I can't imagine what I did. Just sit down and watch, eh? Would you go ahead and run the same? Please, Ricky. Absolutely not. And don't try to twist me around your little finger. If you love me, you would. You don't love me. I do, too. You do not. What's my next line? Uh, this is where you ask the waiter for the menu. Oh. May I have a menu, please? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Let's try it again. Waiter, I want to get home.
Action! Uh, Fran and Ethel should be here in a minute. Well, here they come now. Ricky, Ricardo, for the last time, are you going to let me be in that act or not? No. Hi. Hi. Come on, Hi. let's go home. <laughs> I don't care. We might as well go home if it isn't going to be fun. I want you to see the new line of chorus girls. Oh, on uh, second thought, my dear, I don't want to spoil your evening. <laughs> Absolutely not. And don't try to twist me around your little finger. If you love me, you would. You don't love me. I do, too. You do not. Would you get me... Thank <laughs> you, please. What are you doing here? excitement about. Look, I just came over to find out if you're going to be on the show. Well, couldn't it wait until later? Doctor, da cuenta que estamos trabajando aquí nosotros todos los días. Tenemos que estar en una televisión toda la semana. Tenemos que hacer el show. Usted se mete aquí y lo interrumpe todo exactamente. Oh, then you are going to be on the show. Desi, Desi, it's such a simple thing. All you have to do is tell me what you're Gee, Jack Benny playing a waiter. Radio really must be... <laughs> Ricky, are you still mad? Ricky, talk to me. Are you still mad? No, dear. Let's just forget it. I can't forget it until I know you still love me. I love you. If you love me, you'll give me a great big kiss. I didn't mean to frighten you. Oh, I just it's wanted... you again. Now, look, Jack, this is going but far I have enough. But I have to know tonight. Look, if you just promise me you'll come on the show, then I can be right on my way. Action! Ricky, aren't you finished yet? What are you talking about? I just got here. Haven't you even taken your shower? Uh-uh. Oh, I'll turn it on for you. You're going to be late. Say, listen, you ought to talk to Fred about that shower. You know, it stays cold for the longest time, and then it suddenly changes to scalding. I know. Oh, no! That's the dirtiest trick I ever heard of. You might have known I'd be in there. Now, look, Jack. Dancy, I'll... Look at it. I can't understand why you want to sue me. I wasn't so bad. <laughs> Look, Jack, yo he estado en este país 15 años. Y esta es la cosa peor que me ha pasado aquí. Lo primero que me pasa, lo más ridículo y completamente catastrófico. Well. <laughs> I shall see you in court. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Desi. Don't sue me. Look at Desi. I'll give you half of Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> Send them in. What now? 
Mr. Robinson. Hello. Hello, Hello everyone. No doubt Mr. Benny sent you over. Say, you're a regular mind reader. Uh, maybe you could also tell me when Millie's gonna marry her boss's son? Mama. So I'm anxious, kill me. Please excuse Mama, gentlemen. Since the day I was born, she's been bucking for grandmother. Uh, what was it Mr. Benny sent you over for, Millie? It's about my poem. Yeah, Alfred wrote a poem about our wonderful television city, and Mr. Benny wants you to hear it. Yeah, he thinks it's good. <laughs> Well, we'd love to hear the poem, but we're very busy at the moment. I think some other time we might be able to listen to it. You hate me. I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> Alfred, gentlemen, you'll save a lot of time if you'll just say you'll listen. All right. All right, thank you. Please. Thank you. <laughs> oh, to Television City by Alfred E. Prinz Mendel. Hail to thee, child of CBS in Hollywood and New York. Tonight you were born weighing two million tons. Gee, what a strain on the stork. <laughs> I thrill to you, massive structure. Over many an acre you spread. I love every rock in your garden. But I hope there's no rocks in your head. <laughs> So all hail thee, mighty newborn child, whose body can never be bent, because your spine is made of steel, and your bottom is stuck in cement. <laughs> the end. It's inspiring, isn't it? dancers on the show? Yes, I'm a specialty dancer. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Alan, get that mannequin's leg and bring it over here. Oh, mannequin, mannequin's leg. Oh, I'll bring it. sure you'll find one just like it in the antique room. In the antique shop. I'll okay. take it. All right, now get going! Oh, get out of here. Okay. Oh, oh, hi, Mr. Linklater. <coughs> what a day. 
what a day. I have five little lakes at home. I have five kids on my house party every day. I come down here to do a song or a joke. I'm babysitting with stars kids, too. Who, who are you, anyway? Stevie Crosby. Crosby? Steve Crosby? Say, I know that name. Isn't your daddy famous and handsome and rich? No, my daddy's Bob Crosby. <laughs> He does something, though, doesn't he? What does your dad do? He works every day. Oh, that's fine. Brings money home and gives it to you, does he? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, well, let's find out what you'd like to be when you grow up, Stevie. Uh... Anything special? A cowboy. Oh, a cowboy. That's uh-huh. Say, by the way, do you have any girlfriends? Yeah. How many? One. What's her name? Charlotte Snyder. What's her nickname? What? What's her nickname? What do you call her? Chubby. Oh, Chubby. Uh -huh. <laughs> you gonna marry her? Yes. When? When I get to be a papa. <laughs> oh. Say, that hair. That hair, look at it. It feels like nothing could dislodge it, and you cut it. Who cut the hair? I did. Why did you cut it? So I just like my father. Oh, like your father. And here's a darling little girl. What's your name? Liza West. Well, I'm supposed to take care of you, Liza. What's your mother, mother's name? Eve Arden. Oh, you're Eve Arden's little girl. <laughs> and how old are you, Liza? Seven. Mm-hmm. Your mother ought to be down here pretty soon. I am keep looking for her. Do you, did she tell you anything special to do or not to do down here today? She told me not to disturb the... The people. Not to disturb who? The people. Oh, there are no people here. They're just actors. Now, um, Eliza, uh, what uh, what sort of a home life do you have? For instance, who does the most talking around the Eve Arden house, huh? What? Oh, George! I can't, uh, I can't find anything around this building. Do you know where Margaret Whiting is rehearsing? Uh, down in Studio 31, I think. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, where's Gracie? Oh, uh, Jack sent her to the state capitol. She's the official escort for Governor Warren. Gracie? Yeah. That takes a lot of courage. Well, if he didn't have courage, he wouldn't be governor. Can take. 
I've got a wonderful idea. Uh, how about you and I doing a duet? A duet? Yeah. Uh, George, who sent you over here? Dinosaur? Margaret, this is my own idea. Oh, well, listen, there's a lot of singers on this program. Have you tried? Everybody. Oh. <laughs> well, all right. I'll tell you what, let's ask the sportsman to join us and we'll make it a Wait big production. Oh, yeah. uh, how about, it might as well be spring. Sure. Uh, do you know it? I'll fake it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what uh, what key does Mary Alonzo sing this in? Uh, D flat. One tone higher for All me, right, please. I'm as restless as a willow in a windstorm. I'm as restless. I'm as jumpy as a puppet on a string. I'd say that I had spring. But it isn't even spring. I'm starry-eyed and vaguely discontented, like a nightingale without a song to sing. Oh, why must I have spring fever when it is? I keep wishing I keep wishing I was somewhere else walking down a strange new street hearing words that I have never heard from a man I've yet to meet I'm as I'm as busy as a spider I'm as busy as a spider spinning daydreams. <laughs> I'm as giddy as a baby on a swing. I haven't seen a crocus or a rosebud or a robin on the wing. But I feel so, but I feel so gay in a melancholy way that it might as well be spring. You can finish this. You won't let me. Well, yes, I will. Would you boys like to finish it? Yes. yes. Spring. Spring. <laughs> Spring. <laughs>
Mr. Robinson. Oh, yes, Kathy. Have you seen Marie Wilson? Why, no, no, Kathy, I haven't. Oh, gee, she's got to get made up and get dressed and everything. Yeah. Where is she? Marie? Marie, are you in there? Hi, Kathy. <laughs> oh, you can go in the dressing room in just a minute, dear. Dressing room? Oh, uh, hello, Mr. Robinson. Uh -huh. Gee, you'd think when they built Television City, they'd uh, made the dressing rooms a little bigger. Of course, I like this one better than the old one because it has a phone in it. <laughs> Is she like this off stage too? Uh-huh. What are we paying writers for? Uh, never mind. I'll get it. <laughs> Word. This word here? Mm-hmm. Room? Well, what's the other one? Lady? <laughs> no. Well, I don't want to go in there. <laughs> well, what can you expect from a girl who goes to night school to study trigonometry because she wants to know all about Roy Rogers' horse? <laughs> you see, that's my friend Irma. <laughs> Don't just sit there. Start, do something. Start the motors. Yes. Maybe we're out of gas. Rochester, how can we be out of gas? I put in a quark yesterday. <laughs> Boss, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. When you buy gas by the quart, every half mile you have to stop at a service station. I know. Well, why buy it by the quart then? Look, Rochester, if I told you once, I told you a thousand times. Gasoline evaporates. <laughs> let, it, let it evaporate in their tanks, not mine. <laughs> now go ahead, start it again. Yes. Pull out the choke. <laughs> Here comes Eve Art. Hello, Eve. Hello, Jack. Rochester. Hello, Miss Hart. Jack, this is your car? Well, Eve, I know what you're thinking, but I really have this car for sentimental reasons. You know, something old, something new, something borrowed. And something blue. <laughs> Eve, why don't you come in the car and I'll, I'll drive you over at the studio. Oh, huh? I'd love to, Jack. Come on, Eve. Oh, that's nice. Go ahead, Rochester, start it again. <laughs> well, I must say one thing. This, this 
car really has springs, doesn't it? And in the darndest places. Right, Rochester, start it again, try it. <laughs> Get out of the car and see what's wrong, will you? Look, get, look under the hood there. Maybe there's something wrong with the motor. Yes. Now look, Eve. As a, hey, here comes ma the mayor of Los Angeles. Mayor Barr, well, it's certainly good to see you. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, Mayor, you, uh, did you get my letter asking you to speak at the dedication program? Yes, I'm on my way down to the studio now, but I, my car stalled back here about three blocks, and I'm going down to a gas station. Oh. Oh, did you run out of gas? Yes, you see, the city buys it for me a, a quart at a time. <laughs> you see, Rochester? <laughs> well, look at Mayor. Mayor Bond, as soon as we get this car fixed up, you know what I think? Well, I will drive you over at the studio. Well, I'd be very pleased to go with you. You know, I'm very honored to be on this program tonight. Uh -oh. Well, all of us at CBS are delighted you could be there, Mayor Byron. Have you seen Television City yet? Yes, from the very beginning, and it's fabulous. You know, the growth of this very spot of ground uh, represents the growth and development of uh, the city of Los Angeles. And you know, Jack, right under the studio is an oil field. <coughs> They developed oil there, and then it was the site of motion picture production, and now Television City. It's a wonderful thing, and I take pride, as I'm sure every good American does, in this achievement. And I'm so happy that Los Angeles is the, the real center, a creative center for these United States. Under this building, there's oil. <laughs> Well, Rochester. Well, maybe it'll start. Try it again. Okay. We'll just get this thing started, right. Mayor, and then I'll drive you over. Go ahead, Rochester. Try it. You better put, better put on your wheel straps yourself. No use, boss. It just won't start. Well, Mayor, I don't think we can get it to work, so we'll have to do what we always do. You don't mind, do you? Not at all. <laughs> Not so fast, you What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm fixing this loudspeaker so we can hear our call, boy. I don't want to stay in this room any longer than I have to. What are you complaining about? Oh, for goodness sake. 49 dressing rooms, and I got to share a dressing room with a girl. Oh, stop beefing. It might help your high notes. Ha-ha. Well, I guess I might just as well make the best of it. What do you do with this stuff? You drink it, or...? Put it on. Put it on. Where's Crosby and McKenzie? They'll be right down, Lud. Let's run the number yeah, before they get here. Gosh, we better hurry. They're calling us. Let's try the number over once, huh? Takes two to tango. Two to tango, two to really get the feeling of romance. Let's do the tango, do the tango, do the dance of love. You can sail on a ship by yourself. Take a nap or a nip by yourself. Like a 
get into debt on your own. There are lots of things that you can do alone. But thanks to the tango, to the tango. Tonight, I'm all dressed up for the opening of a television city. Television, Mamma Mia, adds a new invention. They took radio, moving pictures, push them all in a little box. And this little box brings you programs from all over the country. And the sponsors, they love CBS. That's because when a man tells you to go to the icebox to get a can of beer, big guy comes out to see that you do it. <laughs> Well, the man who rented it said I'm going to save money if I wear the longest sleeves. Why? Well, he says if I wear the longest sleeves, then I don't have to rent the gloves. 
Ackerman. How come you get an invitation to this big art class affair? Oh, that was a Mr. Ackerman. He's my good customer. He gave me an invitation. Oh. See, look, it's a CBS television show, TV delicatessen show. Let me see that. Your brains is in your stomach, the delicatessen. That's a dedication. Dedication, what's that? Well, that's, uh, anybody knows. Uh, it's altogether a different kind of star. Oh, that's <laughs> Look, Luigi, I think... Pardon me, I came down to borrow a vase for the show. Are you, you're doing something on the program, too? Oh, yes, yes. Hey, uh, maybe you'd like a nice, beautiful girl for the chorus. Well? Uh, yeah, my daughter, Rosa. Squire Rush, he wants a girl and not the whole chorus. <laughs> Look, Luigi, please. Rosa! 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 You called me, Papa! <laughs> yes, my little butterball. Rosa, say hello to... What's your name? Alan Young. Uh, say hello to Mr. Young. <laughs> <laughs> the way I feel it, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a combination. Young and beautiful. <laughs> hey, how, how do you think she would be on a TV set, huh? No, Pasquale, Russia can't go on a television set yet. Why not? Because they don't have a hundred-inch screen. <laughs> uh, look, if you'll excuse me, I think I better be running along. Pardon me. Oh, oh wait! Wait a minute, Mr. Young! <laughs> Pascal, I think Rosa likes this fellow yeah, young. I think so. I think maybe we ought to get him on our show, huh? Why? Then it's going to take a big load off of my hands. <laughs> and off of yours, too. Yes! <laughs> George Burns is here to see you. Mrs. George Burns? I've heard her husband sing, and I'm not going to pardon him. No. <laughs> <laughs> New Television City. Oh, well, let her come in. Yes, sir. Right in, Mrs. Burns. Miss Burns, how do you doing? Okay. How, how do you do, Governor Warren? Is it all right for me to call you Governor? Of course. All right. And you can call me Gracie. All right, Gracie. How's your husband? Fine. How's the governor? <laughs> oh, good. You know, I think we better get started. Well, Gracie, will you wait just a moment till I check up on this part of my speech, right. please? I want to make sure that it's, it's all right. Four important milestones were passed in the history of television this year. First of all, television network facilities have grown tremendously. Second, the FCC lifting of the freeze on the new television stations has opened the door to the full growth of television. Third, television has given you an example of its fantastic potential as a great mass communication medium during the political conventions. And fourth, a building exclusively designed for this medium now opens its doors. Facilities like Television City will help immeasurably, I'm sure, 
in making this medium one of the greatest mass communication tools we have ever known. I believe that CBS television is to be congratulated for its vision and its courage. Now, let me see. I, I'd just like to add a little something to that. Uh, All right. You... And while you're doing it, I wish you'd add something about taxes. <laughs> and what about them? What about them? Oh, what do you do with all the money we pay in taxes? Well, I, I can explain that. A part of the tax dollar goes to building highways and schools and hospitals. A part of it goes to running our courts and, and uh, the rest of the tax dollar goes to paying the salaries of the governor and the state senators and the assemblymen and so on. Mm -hmm, I thought so. Look, if you can do all that with one dollar, who gets the rest of the million? <laughs> Tracy, I'll look that up for you. Yes. And another thing, if we pay your salary and all the others, then we're supporting you, aren't we? Yes. Then why can't we list you as dependents and deduct you? <laughs> I'll look that up, too. Um, listen, uh, uh, Governor, um, Tell me, do the, uh, do the Democrats have to pay part of your salary, too? Oh, yes. Uh, they're certainly rubbing it in, isn't it? <laughs> Tracy, uh, uh, don't you think that if you ought to write a letter to Washington, uh, that's, that's uh, Washington, D.C., not to George. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, yes, I, I'm going to write him a letter and tell him about the senators you're sending there and the way they drink. They drink? Oh, yes. I read that Senator Nolan tried to make a speech from the floor. <laughs> oh, Gracie, you don't understand. Oh, I don't. And the Speaker of the House was even in a worse condition. Why, it said that he didn't recognize Senator Nolan. <laughs> Gracie, when you write that letter, Will you let me mail it for you? Of course. Well, suppose you write it right now. Oh, you right. write it. You write it right here. Right here in your right, chair. Right here. Oh, yes. yes. You right. just write it right there. I hate to disagree with the mayor of Los Angeles, but there's no oil under this building. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, for the benefit of our people at home watching the show, I would like to explain the, uh, how, how big the CBS television city really is. Now, these buildings here, this magnitude, you know, in fact, we have this model made for that, you see. Now, uh, th these buildings cover an area of approximately 63,000 square feet, you see, and the air cooling system alone could make, I would say, about, well, 600 tons of ice per day, or enough uh, to keep Phil Harrison highballs for one entire evening. <laughs> And there's enough concrete, ladies and gentlemen, in this building to build a highway, a two-lane highway, as a eight and a half miles 
long. Of course, we had to borrow some of the material, so in case you happen to be on the freeway tomorrow, you'll find a piece missing between Anaheim and Cucamonga. <laughs> now, right over here, ladies and gentlemen, oh, uh, right in this next... Mr. Step, Benny, uh, Mr. Benny. Mr. Benny. Oh. Yes. Well, I, uh... I, I was just explaining, uh, I was just explaining Television City uh, to the people. Mr. Benny, you have done your bit. Well, now, wait a minute. Wait, don't tell me that I've done my bit or how long to do. After all, you know, I'm the fellow that loaned all of this money to CBS, if you remember. We're returning the money to you and getting it elsewhere. What? Just... <laughs> Now, take your money and go. Not until I count it. <laughs> One, two, three. We've all had a lot of fun doing this dedication program tonight. And now, while Jack Benny is still counting his money, I'd like to present the real president of CBS Television, Mr. Jack Van Valkenburg. Thank you, Eve Arden, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking for all of us, for you, our viewers, and for all of us on the staff of CBS Television, I'd like to first of all give a very hearty thank you to all of the Hollywood stars that have made this program this evening such a notable success. And a special thanks to you, our viewers, for joining us in this dedicatory program from CBS Television City, a factory designed to bring even better CBS Television programs from the, the world's most important talent setters. Good night, Jack. Four million eight hundred and seventy-three. Four million eight hundred and seventy-four. Good night, Jack. Huh? I said oh. good night, Jack. Oh, oh, good night. Good night. Now, see, where was I? Oh, darn it. Now I gotta start all over. <laughs> One, two...